Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, June 23rd, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, what's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using my own personal promo code, which is my last name, Picard. That's right. Get the app. Go to the promo code section. Type in my last name, Picard, and you will get $20 off your tickets. It's not just in Boston, and it's not just sporting events. I know this is a sports talk show that's based in Boston, but you can get it for a concert in other cities at many venues, and I think one of the coolest features on the SeatGeek app is the fact that when you get it and download it, you can search by city, and you can see all these venues that come up, and it's not just the huge stadiums and arenas, it's also smaller venues that might have some concerts that you didn't really know Uh, These venues had some of these big names, so I think it's a pretty cool app to just check out, and when you see something you like and you want to go to an event, a sporting event, a concert in any city at any venue, you type in the promo code, my last name, Picard, and you get $20 off. What you can also do is, if you see an event that you like, maybe later on in the summer, you can set an alert, and SeatGeek will let you know when ticket prices fall so you can get the best deal possible Even better, every ticket is given a grade, and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. That always is best when you're picking out a venue or a stadium or an arena that you've never been in before, so you want to know what that view is going to be like if you're spending money for a ticket. SeatGeek, always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert, and it should be the first place you go as well, SeatGeek. Now, the Red Sox... They are wrapping up a 10-game homestand this afternoon. Uh, They will be throwing the first pitch in about an hour and a half from when I'm recording this podcast today. So I don't know that it's worth my time or even your time for me to talk so much about this upcoming game as the Red Sox play afternoon baseball at Fenway against the Chicago White Sox. It's Rick Porcello on the mound for the Red Sox going up against James Shields for the White Sox. If there was a day in which, you know, the Red Sox would give Rick Porcello some run support. This would be it because James Shields has not been very good. But the Red Sox offense showed up last night. So I will get to that. I'll get to what happened at Fenway with this game and this loss last night, 8-6, to and what went wrong. The Red Sox scored six runs. It should have been good enough to win that game. It ended up not being good enough to win that game. And with the Red Sox losing their third straight, losing the first three to Chicago in this four-game series. And with the Orioles winning last night, the Red Sox two games behind Baltimore for first place in the AL East. Toronto won last night as well, which means the Blue Jays two and a half games out of first place in the AL East and just a half game behind the Red Sox for second place. But there's some things to talk about with Eduardo Rodriguez, with the Red Sox bullpen, and with Hanley Ramirez that I'll get to, and I will close out the show with that or at least get to that in just a few minutes. But the top story today, not just in Boston, 
But in the world of sports in general, tonight is the NBA draft. It's a day that I should say, at least here in Boston, we've been looking forward to for a long time. But me personally, I haven't been looking forward to this day for the purpose of seeing the Celtics make this draft pick tonight at number three overall, or even for the purpose of seeing the Celtics make make eight draft picks, because they have eight. They have, what, three first-rounders and five second-rounders? It's a two-round draft. There are only so many roster spots on an NBA team. And you just cannot make eight picks unless you are trying to build up your D-League team, your farm system, which I think is kind of unheard of in the NBA. Now, perhaps there's this strategy that Danny Ainge is going to take on and, and maybe create his own. Maybe he starts a trend. I have no idea, which would be... You know, get some draft picks, get five or six draft picks and, and build up your farm system. I don't like that idea. I think it's stupid. Maybe that's a strategy he uses. I hope he doesn't. Uh, but whatever he does with some of those later picks, maybe he packages a couple to move up or maybe he packages a handful of them to get one pick next year or in two years. I don't necessarily know. But the one pick that we've been talking about for a long time is the Brooklyn pick. And the Brooklyn pick turns out to be the number three overall pick in this year's draft. Now, as I record this show right now, we got to be careful because I got to be timely. And you might not listen to the show until later on tonight. In fact, you might not even listen to the show until after the draft. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'll tell you. A little programming note if you haven't been listening to me this week. I'm on WEEI tonight, 93.7 FM from 10 o'clock to midnight. I assume that when I jump on live at 10 o'clock on the radio tonight, the draft will still be going on. So I'll be able to break down some things live with you, and I want your phone calls. But when it's all said and done, and I get a night to sleep on it, tomorrow, right here on this podcast, on my Friday edition, I'm here five days a week, but tomorrow on this very podcast, I'll have a night to sleep on it, and I will give my complete reaction to whatever goes on in the NBA draft, not just with the Celtics, but every team in general, whatever trades went down, uh, whatever picks were made, I will give my full reaction after having slept on it all. Tomorrow, I'll be in here bright and early for this podcast, and you'll have that tomorrow afternoon. But for right now, today on this Thursday, as I record this, the Celtics have not made any moves. There have been plenty of rumors. I talked about some of those rumors yesterday. In fact, around the NBA, there have been a couple big trades. Jeff Teague going to Indiana, right? We talked about that yesterday. And also Derek Rose being traded from Chicago to the Knicks. Now, Rose is a big name. And I, I read that literally as I was closing out the show yesterday. So I wasn't really able to look at that and break that down. But I will say this. I think... That's a good move for the Knicks, even though I won't sit here overwhelmed to the point where I'll tell you this is a game changer for New York. And I only say that because there are so many question marks with Derrick Rose's health, and I think it's pretty evident that Derrick Rose is not the 20 to 25 point a game guy. Like, he's not the 25 and 8. Like, it's just, you know, 25 points, 8 assists. He's not that guy. He's not MVP caliber. And that's because of the knee issues. That's because of the injury stuff. That's because of maybe either a lack of explosiveness these days or 
maybe just a lack of confidence that he can't be that explosive player anymore, constantly thinking about, wow, if I make this move, if I make this cut, if I try to be this elusive, explosive player and explosive point guard, are my knees just not going to work for me? And am I going to suffer another injury, which maybe could cost me my career? I think that has to be something that's been in his head, right? And maybe has affected him. He's going to be 28 in October, Derrick Rose. I think it's a good move for the Knicks, who are obviously looking to acquire another big-name player. And I think it's a, you know, if you're the Knicks, what, Robin Lopez and a, and Calderon, a couple other players, I mean, wh- what really are you giving up in this trade? I would take the risk. It's, you know, I would do it. I think this is a good move for the Knicks. I, I don't see... Why, you know, if this deal was on the table for the Knicks, there is no reason for them to back off of it or pull out of it, in my opinion. This is a move that you should want to make if you're New York. I, I, I don't look at it and say, well, now they're contenders. I don't think that. And that's basically because of the question marks that come with Derrick Rose. But could Derrick Rose, maybe if he can show you something and be someone who could bounce back and maybe give you 18 points, uh, seven, eight assists a night and, you know, tease 20 points a night and be that, you know, show signs of being an explosive point guard, an elite player again. I mean, you get to the trade deadline, could, could, do you then make a big move? And, and could that maybe convince somebody next season, next off season to join you as a free agent? Maybe, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe, I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing or a bad move for the next, but it, but it's a move. It's a trade. And uh, while Derrick Rose is not the same player, you know, he still is a big name. He still is a big name. And if you're the Bulls, you say, oh, they gave up Derrick Rose. Eh. I mean, there were reports that Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose, maybe that was not a very positive situation with those two guys. You just gave money to Jimmy Butler. It, it, it seems like now they'll be committing to him. I don't expect them to move Jimmy Butler now. Jimmy Butler was the name we were talking about, though. They moved Derrick Rose. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that the return is great for the Bulls, but at the same time, you know, if you needed sort of to, if you needed a change of scenery for Rose and you needed to make that move, well, you got something for him, and uh, you know, you see what you can do in free agency, and you see maybe you can make some type of other splash, whether it's in the draft this year. Or maybe you can do something to acquire a couple more picks next year. I, I, I guess I just look at that deal and think, like, I, I'm not overwhelmed by it. I say, okay, all right, I can understand from both sides, the Knicks and the Bulls. I can understand. You know, it's one thing if Derrick Rose was this elite MVP caliber player still. One, the Bulls wouldn't be moving him. Two, if they did, the return would be much greater than what they got. So I think it's a realistic deal. I think it's a move for both teams. I say, okay, yeah, fine. And we move on. That's it. That's what we got. Back here in Boston, focused on what the Celtics need to do. And I tell you what, if if they make this pick tonight and they don't trade it, I'm going to come in here tomorrow very disappointed. I'm gonna, I mean, there's a little preview for you. I'm going to be disappointed. Now, we've talked about all the rumors. I've told you what I want the Celtics to do. They need to package that pick with a player or two, with a couple, with maybe another pick this year, with maybe one of the other Brooklyn picks, if not both of them the next two years. See, I don't know that you should sit there if you're the Celtics and want to hang on to those Brooklyn picks. Now, I think one of those other Brooklyn picks, maybe both of them, 
I think that if you throw those into a package with the number three pick this year, I'm telling you right now, I think you get a serious conversation with someone like Sacramento for DeMarcus Cousins. You know, that's what I want. That's the type of move I want to see them make. If they don't make that type of move, if they can't, then you get into the conversation. Like, if you're telling me to rank and prioritize for the Celtics and put myself in Danny Ainge's shoes right now, here's what I want to do. I want to prioritize first and foremost for a superstar player and a package for that deal with number three. Now, if the reports are true, and I can't get teams to listen, and I can't get teams to want the number three, and I can't even get teams to want the other Brooklyn picks, or maybe even some of my young talent that I have. If I can't get them to listen, and I can't pull the trigger on a deal, even though I want to, and I can't get the other team to do it, well, then I have to back off, and I have to focus on priority number two. Now, priority number two is not making the number three overall pick. Priority number two is to focus on maybe a younger player who has potential to be elite, who has shown he can play in the NBA. And that, that would be, it's an obvious one, we've been talking about it, the Philadelphia 76ers, whether it's Okafor or Noel. I mean, I'd take both of them. I'd give up more to get Okafor. I would. And I heard some people say, well, if Okafor stayed in college and was in this year's draft, he'd go number three overall. Bullshit. He'd go number one overall. All right? Okafor would go one overall if he was in this year's draft. I'm sorry, he would. For all the talk about Ben Simmons, uh, Okafor would be number one. I'm telling you right now. But regardless, I would take Okafor in the Celtics. He'd be priority number two. And priority number three, I mean, I guess it would have to be what you'd have to do. If you couldn't make any of those other moves, make the pick. And if you're going to make the pick, again, something I don't want to see the Celtics do, but if you're going to make the pick and you're asking me who should it be, one, it cannot be Dragon Bender. All right. Can't, I can't let that happen. I, now, I, I guess physically I can't stop it. What am I going to do? Storm into the Celtics offices and start taking people hostage? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I just don't want to see them make that pick. If they're going to make the pick, people say Chris Dunn. Could Chris Dunn then lead to a draft night trade to Philly for Okafor? Maybe. I don't want to just see them take Chris Dunn, though. Like, I don't. They've already let it be known. They don't want to play for the Celtics. Now he's sort of backing off that statement. There was a picture. So I don't want to see them take Chris Dunn. But there was a picture that leaked out on Twitter today. And I don't know. I don't even know if it's real. You you can't believe everything you see on the internet, obviously. Those of you who do... And there are some of you who do and take everything very literally, especially on Twitter. And those people need to relax and find a hobby. But I saw a picture today on Twitter that had, I think it was an NBA analyst on NBA TV holding a microphone, sitting at their live broadcast station, though I don't think they were live. Maybe they were. Maybe it was someone who took it on TV. And behind them is the big draft screen. What are they doing it at? Barclays? They doing it in New York? They doing it in Brooklyn? Is that what they're doing? Yeah? Doesn't matter where it is. I, I don't care where it is. Uh, but they have the screen in the background. And somebody took a picture. It looked too good and too real to be photoshopped. But if somebody photoshopped this, one, they need to get a fucking life. Two, um... 
it's it's very it's very well done. I, I I at the same time while I knock this person, I must applaud them. It's well done. It has the Celtics, and it says with the number three overall pick, the Boston Celtics select Buddy Heald. It's well done. The person who did it, if it's fake, needs to get a life. If it's real, I don't even know that that's, like, I don't think the Celtics already put their pick in. Perhaps they did to just mess with people because this is also a mind game. Like, it can be a big mind fuck if you're Danny Ainge, and I would love to see them do this. Like, they have all these players come in to work out, and they basically, everybody, see, Danny Ainge has got to play the game, and he... He's going to play the game. Like, he's right. That's what he's been doing. Like, the Dragon Bender stuff. I even think Danny Ainge was up to no good. And we heard the reports that the Lakers were considering Bender at number two. And what would that do? That, what did that report do? That report made other GMs think that, wow, maybe Brandon Ingram would be available at three, which means, wow, maybe the Celtics, maybe we should trade with the Celtics for number three. I think Danny Ainge was up to no good with that, too. Like, Colin. Some NBA insider who knows they're going to take the anonymous random call or text from an anonymous GM and say, hey, got a little scoop for you. Heard the Lakers are working out Bender. Heard they're thinking Bender, number two overall, looking at Porzingis, thinking that he's going to be the next Porzingis, and and they might take him and leave Ingram number three to the Celtics. Like, wouldn't you be doing that shit if you're Danny Ainge, having a little fun with it? Like, what else could you do at that point? You might as well do everything you can to build the trade value. I'd be... I'd be a, I'd be such a dickhead GM in sports. Like, I would be doing all this stuff. I'd be, like, sending secret people to ESPN and leaving notes, like, on, on like, who's the ESPN guy? Windhorst or who's another? Chad Ford, maybe? I'd be leaving, like, you know, just sending messages, anonymous emails. I'd be making up emails and sending, sending stuff. I'd be such a sneak to these insiders and reporters if I were a GM. And and why not? Why not? But Danny Ainge knows, like, he's got this number three pick, and he knows every GM around the league, Simmons, no, they all know Simmons is going one to Philly. Ingram's going number two to the Lakers. People are wondering, what are the Celtics going to do? If you're asking me what I think the Celtics should do, if they have to make the pick, it would be Buddy Heald. Like, if I'm Danny Ainge and I sit there and I have to make the pick and the clock's running down and there's 30 seconds until I have to make my selection tonight, I'm taking Buddy Heald. I'm not taking Dunn. I'm not taking whoever it is, Murray. I'm not taking Bender. Anybody else. I'm taking Buddy Heald. I'm taking Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald reminds me of Dwayne Wade. And is that high praise for a kid who we have... Never seen playing an NBA game? Of course it is. That's, but I mean, if you're asking me to try to compare, I told you that during the college basketball season. I found myself watching Buddy Heald a lot. I, I, and if you're asking me to compare him to someone, I guess Dwayne Wade would be the closest I could come to. That's, is he going to be Dwayne Wade? I have no idea. It's all potential. It's all potential. I would trade potential for the short thing any day of the week. And that's why I'm telling you I would trade the number three in a package for somebody who's a proven talent. Now, it's obviously got to be a superstar talent, but, and I know I've mentioned the word potential with Okafor, but at least I've seen him play in an NBA season. I've seen it. And I, you know, I don't, I wasn't disappointed. 
I'll put it that way. Things to work on? Of course. But I think he's got the tool set to be a very special player. And I'd make that move. But if you can't do that, or you can't get a superstar, proven superstar, and you have to make the pick, I'm going to take Buddy Heald over anybody else. That's, and, and I guess, again, I'll be upset that they didn't trade it. I will. I'll be upset that they didn't trade it. But given the circumstances, out of all the players they could take, if they take Buddy Heald because they have to make that pick, well, I'll be, I'll be happy that they took Heald over Dunn or Bender. Um, I won't be happy they made the pick, but I'll, I guess under the circumstances, I won't be too upset. But, but then you get into the Celtics. Well, then what? I mean, then what would they do? Then, then you get into free agency. You got the money to spend, you say, on two max contracts. You got to figure out what you're doing with Evan Turner. I think if you make the pick and you take the kid, I think you do have to prioritize keeping Evan, someone like Evan Turner around. You know, for the veteran status, I know you got Isaiah Thomas, but at the same time, uh, you know, Evan Turner, to me, I, I'd like to see him stick around. I just don't know what he's going to want for money. I really don't. And I don't know what other team's going to give him. So that's where I, I'm sort of hesitant on the Evan Turner thing, even being someone. I, I'm a huge Evan Turner guy. I think he's the best player on the team. Um, but but you got to ask the question, if they make the pick and they take a kid, where do you, where do you go? You sign an Al Horford? You give an Al Horford a, a, a max contract? I don't know that you give Horford a contract unless you guarantee me you get Kevin Durant. And I don't think, I know we've talked about the idea that Horford is on a short list of players that Durant wants to play with. I just, the more I, I think about it and the closer we get to free agency and the more I saw Horford in that playoff series, I don't know that he guarantees you Durant. So if he doesn't guarantee you Durant, I don't know that I'm giving Horford max contract. I don't. And... You know, so there are options on free agency. I, I don't know that there's anybody outside of Durant, though, that sweeps me off my feet. And then you get into the Durant conversation. You've heard reports of, you know, Oklahoma City, the one-year deal. He's going to stay there because they made a run. Or you even heard Golden State the last couple days. And we heard Golden State months back, too. I don't think he runs to Golden State. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he runs off to Golden State. You think he runs off to the team that he lost to in the West Finals? Golden State? You think that's where he's going? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, I think he goes somewhere. I don't think he stays in Oklahoma City. So we'll have to see, obviously. But for people that will sit here and rule out, and I know it's easy today on this Thursday morning, late morning, early afternoon, where the Celtics haven't made a move as I make this, as I do this podcast. I mean, by the time, you know what's going to happen? You know what's happening, right? You know, you know exactly what's going to happen. The minute I stop recording today, the minute I stop recording, you know what's going to happen? Celtics are going to make a blockbuster trade. The minute I stop recording. Um, so that is, is something that I, I sort of wish maybe I could do this a little bit later in the day. I can't today. I really can't because I got to be on the radio tonight. But I, I will. I promise you, I'll be back here tomorrow to react to it all. But uh, that's that's what we got. You know, you're gonna see rumors. You're gonna see tweets. 
You're going to see reports. Uh, I'm looking right now at ESPN. Chad Ford says the Celtics could take Chris Dunn, number three. And he has Buddy Heald fallen to six to the Pelicans. Man, I, I, I think that would be a great night for the Pelicans. Is that the Pelicans number six? Is that their logo? Looks it. It's a this. It, it was a small little screen there. Um, I, I I just think that if you're gonna make the pick, you got to take Buddy Hield. That's what I'd hope. But I hope they don't make the pick. We'll see. I'll react to it on tomorrow's podcast. Moving on from that. So can't wait tonight for the NBA draft. Uh, but tomorrow. On Friday, tomorrow night, is also the NHL draft. So maybe I'll get into some of that tomorrow. Maybe just break that down on Monday's podcast. But uh, Major League Baseball, more specifically the Boston Red Sox, it's time to talk about what happened last night. They lose to the White Sox 8-6 to at Fenway. It's a four-game series. The Red Sox have now lost the first three games of this series. They lost the first two games 3-1, to 3-1 to one each game. And then last night, they lost 8-6. to six. They have an afternoon game today that's going on probably as you're listening to this. But let's just talk about last night. Because last night was interesting. Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound for the Red Sox. He went six innings, allowed four hits, four runs, three of them earned, walked two, struck out seven, allowed one home run. Eddie Rodriguez threw 102 pitches. Uh, The home run in the sixth inning to Frazier. Was a meatball, fastball, middle end. Meatball. Can't happen. Can't throw that pitch. He did. Um, you know, the Red Sox, it was a solo shot, luckily. The Red Sox still at a lead. Five to four at that point. Then you get another run in the sixth. Red Sox take a six-four lead. You get in the eighth. And you get Koji Uihara, who has been, you know, he's been off and on. He has. Let's call it what it is. Koji has not been... I have not had confidence in Koji Uihara this season because he has been so inconsistent. And the reason he's inconsistent is because sometimes his split just doesn't split the same way it used to split. I, I, and that might be simple analysis, so too simple, you think. But that's what it is. And if you watched last night, uh, that's that's what you know it is. Because just two flat splits to Cabrera. To Lowry, two home runs Koji Uihara let up last night in the eighth inning, and he blew this game. He had a 6-4 lead. The home run to, to Cabrera tied it at six, and then the Lowry home run after that, just flat splits, and they made him pay. And with Koji, with Tazawa, they've been inconsistent, and when they don't have their split, well, the body language tells it all. The body language tells the entire story. And Koji didn't have a split, and his body language is just, it's, it's frustrating. He gets rattled. Like, he gets down in a squatting position, hands on his head. He gets down on himself. It's no good. And to be honest with you, after the first home run, I'm thinking, it's to the point where when Koji comes in, you got to watch, you got to see if he's got his split right away. And if he doesn't, literally, I would be telling him, Get that split early, because if that thing's flat, somebody's warming up right away. And because I'm not wasting my time here. I'm not, I'm not waiting around for you to figure out that split. If it's flat like it was last night, and you knew it was right away. He's got to be, you got to have a short leash. 
And uh, Koji, two home runs last night. And that blew the game. And the Red Sox, they end up losing this thing 8-6. to six. Now, that's one of the storylines. It's probably the biggest storyline. Another storyline, which I guess is, you know, is going to get some attention is Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez last night. And Hanley's been struggling. He was dropped down last night to number seven in the lineup. He went one for five, two strikeouts. He's hitting 263. His offense has been no good. He hit a home run, a solo home run in the sixth, and it broke a 4-4 tie, and it gave the Red Sox a 5-4 lead. And if Koji could have held on, it would have been the game-winning home run, the game-winning hit. Now, Hanley had a couple opportunities to do some more damage later in the game, and he couldn't do it. But after he hit the home run, and to be fair, if Koji did his job, it would have been the game-winning hit, and it would have been a huge hit and a huge home run. But after the home run, Hanley Ramirez in the dugout goes on an extended, I don't want to say rant, because it's not like he was actually saying anything. He went on an extended, we'll call it body language rant. Is that what we do? Where he looks into the camera. And he's like fake holding a microphone, chirping, you know, using his fingers and his hands like when you give like the sign to people talking, 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 running their mouth. And then he flexes, shows his muscle. Then he puts his hands up and down, does the more talking again, as if to say, wow, everybody, people on sports talk radio, people in the media, people on TV, they're calling me out for my hands, you know, where my hands are, what my stance is, how I'm not hitting, how I have no power. That's what he's saying. That's what he's doing. He's acknowledging that he has been listening to the people who have crushed him. Now, I will say this. I have not been one to come on this show every day and crush Hanley Ramirez's offense. In fact, when people wanted to do that in the first couple months, I didn't because I actually liked his approach going the other way. I did. I liked his approach. And I will say now, It has become a little bit more of an issue because it's not just the power that he doesn't have. It's that the average is also going down, right? Like that, the power to me, like I think at times it's going to come. It's now he's hitting 263. Like it was okay when he was hitting 280, 285 and wasn't hitting home runs. I'm like, all right, he's still driving in some runs. He's hitting the ball up the middle. He is still finding the gap in right center when runners are in scoring position. So, Let's just, I don't mind this approach because, I, you know, he still is getting some hits. Like, now he's not getting hits, and he's striking out. And it's becoming an issue because the average is going down. That said, um, I, have, I still haven't really been one to jump all over Hanley, mainly because there's a lot of other stuff going on. As I've been talking about the NBA draft, uh, you know, we t- I'm talking about the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're, we're really focusing on the pitching for the Red Sox, right? Like, I wrote a column in the Boston Metro, which will be in there tomorrow in print, and will be online, I think, later today, how the Red Sox need to consider trading the top prospect, Yoan Mankata, if the right deal for the right dominant starting pitcher is on the table and would be coming to them. Because that's what they really need more than anything. Like, if you ask me, what do the Red Sox need more? Hanley Ramirez to show some more power and hit some more home runs 
or the Red Sox going out and acquiring a dominant starting pitcher? I I will not even think twice about this answer. It is that the Red Sox need a dominant starting pitcher. They need someone that's going to go out and not give up the home run ball and that's going to be able to give you 8 to 10 strikeouts and give you 7 to 8 innings and be that guy that you know is going to be the stopper. Look, David Price has been on a good little run, and his last start was pretty damn dominant. But he still has a little trouble with that home run ball. And I still think that if you can get into the playoffs, and as good as Stephen Wright has been, wouldn't you like the peace of mind if you're the Red Sox organization to have that other dominant starter? Not just in your rotation this year, but for maybe a handful of years to come. If you can go out and get that guy right now, and I'll say it again, someone like Sonny Gray, or I'll say it again, someone like Jose Fernandez. I would give up the kid, Yohan Mankata. But that, to me, should be the priority. And I think you even get to the, to the bullpen, seeing what you've seen with Koji last night, seeing how Tozawa isn't always on, seeing that Carson Smith is out for the season. I mean, even Robbie Ross last night was wild, and, and he was someone that I had supreme confidence in. He was hitting guy. I don't know what happened with Robbie Ross Jr. last night. Um, he was wild as you could ever be in the majors. That was, that was strange to see. But all of that said, the Red Sox needs are with the pitching way more than they are Hanley to hit your home runs. And I think that's why I haven't really made it a priority to come on this show and crush Hanley for, for not hitting home runs. However, the less he hits in general, and if the average is going down, well, then it becomes an even bigger issue because you are asking Hanley. It's not too much to ask, given the money he makes, to give you some more production than being a 263 hitter, right? And having uh, an on base of 331 and a slug in a 385. Like, it's not too much to ask to ask him to do more than that. And I'm not even necessarily, like I mentioned, I'm not even necessarily talking about home runs. I'm talking about just in general. Like, I'm not asking, I'm not necessarily begging for the home run with a guy on second. But I do want you to put that thing in the gap and drive him in. Hanley, you know, the average is going down. He's not getting the big hits. Last night he got one. For him to look into the camera after all these struggles and do what he's doing, at first, my reaction is, oh, shut the fuck up. Sit the fuck down. Get back out in the field. Get your next at bat and do it again. That's my first response to it. I actually had some people tweeting me, being like, you don't have a reaction to this? You're not tweeting about this? And I said, well, to be honest, I don't know what you're talking about because I was watching the game a little bit delayed on DVR last night. But when I saw it, I knew I had to come in here and talk about it today. Hanley's reaction in the dugout. And I, I, here's, my, here's how I responded last night. At first, I was upset because I wanted to say, shut the fuck up, sit down, and try and give me that again. Go on a little bit of a tear. And then maybe you can talk. Don't just give me one. Give me more than one. Go, you know, on a hit streak. Go on a, you know, rip the cover off the ball for three straight weeks. Then maybe you can flex. All right, you're flexing right now. You got one hit. And you're flexing after one? Enough with the flexing. Sit the fuck down. And do it again. But then I get to thinking. You know. I, I'd like to see, I, lo- I want to see these guys have some confidence. And if Hanley Ramirez, as much as I don't like it, 
if he needs to be able to get that, that off his chest, if he needs that to regain his confidence and get that swagger and get the bulletin board material, I have no problem with guys using bulletin board material. If it's going to make you a better player, by all means, use it. And if Hanley Ramirez is going to stand there in the dugout, while at first glance, I don't like seeing that, when I then let the put the emotions aside and I think about it logically, if Hanley Ramirez needs to get that shit off his chest and do that and use all of it as bulletin board material to be able to hit the ball into the seats, then guess what? Be my guest. Go for it. Flex into the camera. Take it personally. Use it as bulletin board material. If it's going to help you, it's going to help the team. And if it's going to help the team, I'm all for it. But you bet, you, you better, if you're going to do that shit, you better make sure that that type of hit, driving it to right center, into the bullpen, on one bounce into the stands, you know, bounces inside the bullpen, it's a home run, driving that ball the other way for homer, you better make sure you do that again. You better make sure you show up to the ballpark today again and put one in the seats. You better show up in Texas this weekend. And when you get runners in scoring position, you better not be swinging and missing at meatballs down the middle. Okay? Like, I'm all for whatever you need to do to get your confidence up or use bulletin board material or find something that's going to work for you deep down inside that's going to be, you know, give you what it takes to be able to drive in the big run. Or get the big hit. But you, if you're going to do that, you better be getting the big hit consistently. Don't give me that shit and don't show up all weekend in Texas. Don't give me that shit and show up today against the White Sox as you're looking to snap a three-game losing skid and strike out three times. Don't give me that. So what Hanley are we going to see? If we're going to see the guy that's going to mock the media, mock people like us for knocking him, people like me, that's going to, you know, flex into the camera and take things personally that is said, negative things that are said about him, take it personally, use it as Baltimore material. If he's going to do that, if he thinks it's going to help, well, better help. Because you can't be doing that shit, hitting 265 and go on another slump just because you hit one home run. You're not getting paid the big bucks to only hit that one home run. Okay? You need to put together a consistent stretch where you're tearing the cover off the ball for the money you're making and for the actions that you have when you get one. You want to flex? Be my guest. But you better only flex when you're on a tear. That's it. Can't flex when you're hitting 265. Can't do it. So, you want to act like that? Let's see you turn on the Jets. Let's see you turn it on, big dog. I'm, you want to use it to turn you? You're going to turn it on? Turn it on. Use that. But it better turn. you better turn it on if you're going to use that. That's all I'll say. So, uh, that's what we got with the Red Sox. Travis Shaw not in the lineup today. Get that ankle. He fouled one off his, what, ankle? Red ankle the other night. He's got the shin pad now. Uh, he made a bad error last night at third. Did they call that a hit? They call it a hit? No, they called it an error. Ground ball. Um, yeah, they 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 called they called it an error. In the third inning, put Chicago up two nothing. 
I will react to this game maybe tonight, though I think we're going to do all NBA tonight on WEI. And tomorrow on this podcast, I'll do a lot of NBA as well. So we got NBA. We got NHL draft tomorrow. And I got a UFC story I'm actually going to close out the show with. You know, I've I'm, I'm been focused and, and wondering, like, when is CM Punk going to make his UFC debut? We've been talking about it now for a couple years. He suffered an injury, what, in 2014. Now, he signed with UFC in December of 2014 and had his debut postponed because of a shoulder injury. But today, and it's one of the top stories on ESPN.com, and I think it's big news because I've been waiting. We've been waiting to see this. When's it going to happen? CM Punk, former WWE champion, will make his UFC debut in a welterweight bout against 24-year-old Mickey Gall. And this will take place at UFC 203 this September. September 10th. They announced it today. CM Punk will make his UFC debut in a welterweight fight against 24-year-old Mickey Gall at UFC 203 on September 10th. 2016. Just a couple months from now, Mickey Gall, he is 2-0. Uh, I guess we'll call him, what, a prospect? Fighting out of New Jersey, New Brunswick, New Jersey. He made his UFC debut on February 6th of this year and picked up a first-round submission win. Again, he's 2-0. I didn't really... CM Punk, 37 years old. 37. How's he going to fare against a 24-year-old in there? I have no idea. How's he going to fare against a 24-year-old when a 24-year-old has more experience in the octagon than CM Punk? I'll be interested to see it. I think UFC is going to be happy with how this will draw, regardless of the result, because I think you'll get people like myself who are going to tune in just to see CM Punk. Um, I mean, as much as I knock him, right, and I question whether or not this was even real, Credit where credit's due for, be, for having the balls to make this move, right? It's a, it's a ballsy move. Going from WWE to UFC, ballsy move. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best, and I'll be watching in September. CM Punk, UFC 203. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, all forms of social media. Again, tonight on WEI 93.7 FM, 10 to midnight, talking NBA draft. Also back here tomorrow on the podcast. I'll sleep on it, and I'll give my reaction after sleeping on it to everything that happens in the NBA draft on tomorrow's podcast. Enjoy, talk to you tonight, and then, again, talk to you right here tomorrow. See you.